What else didn't we cover? I think we covered everything. Gosh, we only mentioned gas like one time. Should we? <laughs> should we just talk about gas prices for a while? <laughs> Feels like you can't even you can't even be a human right now without talking about gas prices. <laughs> This is the Generally Accepted Accounting Podcast. That's GAP for all you accounting nerds. It's a podcast produced by Casey Peterson, LTD. We're a firm of CPAs and financial advisors based in Rapid City, South Dakota, and we'll be talking about tax, finance, accounting, audit, and a bunch of other topics that sound really boring, but that we're going to make hip and cool. Or we'll try anyway. So stick around to learn more. It's everyone's favorite not fun topic. No, not gas prices. The other one, inflation. On today's podcast, our managing shareholder CPA Mark Lyons has some tips and techniques to help businesses navigate these tricky times. We'll be talking about raising prices, automation, profit margins, employee productivity, expenses, all the ingredients that go into your business that make fighting inflation that much more complicated. So get pumped (laughs) to learn more about fighting inflation. today's podcast, we're talking about inflation. Woo, so much fun. Um, and here with us is our managing shareholder, Mark Lyons. He's a CPA. He's been with the firm for over 20 years, uh, has a broad range of experience, primarily in the healthcare industry. He is husband to Mickey, has three kids, and is unfortunately a Titans fan. I mean, that's oh, great. What? I mean, congratulations on that. How's that work out for you? Know we're going to talk football today. <laughs> I sprung it on you. <laughs> So we are talking about inflation uh, because that is a major topic of concern for businesses, individuals, pretty much affecting everybody. Uh, has been for a while. Now there's all of the fun with interest rates going up and what that means and inflation still being a major issue. Let's talk about that a little bit. So why why does raising interest rates help curb inflation? Basically reduces purchasing power, right? So if you are needing to take out a loan, to purchase something, the value of the goods maybe has not reduced. Right. So overall, you're going to have to buy less to get into an, a loan that's affordable, right? Yep. So the idea is that it essentially cools off the market because it slows down people's ability to purchase uh, capital goods, whatever the case might be, because we can purchase less of whatever those items are. Because the interest rate factor. So it's the idea like you have a superheated economy and you're just trying to slow it down a little bit. Correct. Without hopefully causing a recession. Hopefully sending us into a recession, (laughs) which is the right, which is the the tricky part of that because the decisions we make today, we may not know the impacts of those for could be six months, it could be years actually, with the decisions that are being made right now and when those impacts are actually Yes. So at the time of this recording, just last week, they released the GDP, said maybe the last couple quarters looks like economy's constricting. Mm Uh, that would say that we probably are at least headed into a recession, if not in one already. It's inevitable, right? right. And we're past due. Yeah. Because uh, I think they say every, what is it, three years that there's a recession, Something. recessionary period, mm-hmm. and we're way past that right now. So it's inevitable. It will happen. Right. Uh, we just don't know if that's going to be in three months or a year, but it's without a doubt coming. It's, com- it's coming. So... If a if a business if they raise their prices to keep pace with inflation, doesn't that sort of make the problem worse? It does, but you don't have a choice. I think is 
is the situation that most people are in because everybody's producing a service or a good and the cost of producing those services or goods has increased. So naturally to maintain your margin, you have to react, right. which and, and typically that reaction is some uh, increase in your goods or services that you're providing. Um, so let's talk a little bit about maybe some ways that businesses can try to either combat inflation or at least slow it down. Um, one of the things that we talk about a lot around the firm is like automating our processes. So how, do, how does a business know like what kind of opportunities they might have for automation? It's a great question. I think getting your executive team together and brainstorming and trying to identify those processes that are routine, okay, uh, that are repeat type processes within your, in your organization. So it could be something as simple as scheduling, right? To right. automate the scheduling process to try to make us more efficient. Uh, it could be something a little more complex, like online orders versus taking orders over the phone, uh, providing a website to automate that entire process, all the way from the order to the delivery of goods. But it's typically those processes that are routine. The same thing happens every time you go through. There's some level of predictability and that you, you can know. It. Okay. Correct. Yep. So is it only large businesses that benefit from automation, or can smaller businesses reap the reap the rewards too? I think everyone can benefit from automation. I think a lot of the times the question is, is what type of technology are you going to need to be able to master the automation of something, right? Which then for some smaller businesses that does become unaffordable. Uh, but there's so many solutions out there now with all the Microsoft products and Power Automate that are really easy to use that you don't have to have an expert to automate some of your processes. And I think those are that's kind of the low-hanging fruit that I think everybody should be looking for. So when you're looking at your costs, what should businesses, you know, say I'm a business owner, what should I look for when I'm looking for opportunities to like increase my profit margins? Yeah, so we're looking at everybody's heard of lean processes, right? Everybody wants to be as lean as they can possibly be. And those are things where there's inefficiencies in your processes. So it kind of touches back on automation, right? There's mm -hmm. certain things that you can automate to become more efficient. Uh, look for processes that are costs that are costs that result from rework possibly, right? Uh, so fix those issues up front to prevent rework, which results in additional cost. There's also, you know, you may look at your organization and realize that there's this pool of it would be nice expenses. It would be nice to have these things. And typically, when you're looking at your budgets, if there's an I, you have budget creep. Everybody has budget creep. And yeah. there's these things that creep into your organization because somebody said it would be nice if we had these things. And those are typically opportunities for cost savings, right? Where we, yeah, it would be nice, but it's not mission critical. Uh, to continue to incur those costs. Um, I think you also then have this other pool that's a little bit more difficult, which is your fixed costs or overhead pools. And it's really, really difficult to manage those costs a lot of the times because you may be in an office that you purchased or started to lease three years ago and you mm -hmm. anticipated trying to grow into that space. Right. And Something suddenly happened in the now last you're three here years. and you're in a much bigger office than you really need. So, you know, is there are capable there are opportunities right now with some of those fixed costs. And I think building costs are are a good example of that because can you sublease some of your space? Sure. Yeah. Can you move to a different location with the technology that we have right now and allow people to work remotely? Um, Which is probably what a lot of people are running into is that they may had a space that was large enough at the time and yeah. then people went remote after the pandemic and now you have a bunch more space. Right. 
that you still have to heat and cool and take care of and all that sort of stuff. So right. does it make sense to keep that space? You go to a different space, you find other tenants to come in. Exactly. Okay. Great ideas. And I, I think the other pool, and we talked about this fixed cost, we talked about it's it would be nice, that pool, right? And then there's this other pool that's kind of the substitution pool where are there goods or services that we can purchase that are identical but at a lesser cost. And those are, you know, you have relationships with vendors a lot of the times and it's difficult to transition from a vendor you've trusted for a long time. But you also, if there are alternatives out there, you create competition and hopefully, even if you stay with the same vendor, at least you're not at their mercy. Right. So if you say like, hey, you know, I've been getting our toilet paper and our paper products for X number of dollars. If I go to your competitor, I can get it for this or you at least match. Right. So it allows you to have some flexibility in how you budget or even negotiate those kinds yeah. of things. Right. Maybe you get a quote from another supplier that seems really competitive and, you know, they're happy to keep that relationship with you, presumably, if you've been with them for years and might not be a big deal for them to match that quote, recognizing the competition. Right. right. And I think we're... We're all in this together. Yeah. You know, everyone is experiencing this. And I think most of your strong relationships that you have, those people are sympathetic with what you're going through. They're going through the same thing. Yeah. So a lot of the times it's a matter of leveraging those relationships that you've worked on for years and saying, how can we make this work for both of us? Right. right. Cost savings is definitely a big factor in terms of fighting inflation and kind of the other side of the coin, I guess. It's obviously going to vary from industry to industry, but in terms of like looking for methods to increase your profit margins, is there kind of a, a look-to spot? or I think it all starts with the customer. And I think sometimes we lose sight of that. We are numbers people, right? right? We're accountants. So we always like to dig into the numbers and figure out where our largest margin is. And then we focus on those areas. But we should really be looking at the customer and talking about what the customer wants, right? I think sometimes there's some really simple things that you can do that, yeah, might be marginal cost to do those things, but it increases value to the customer. Sure. And they're a lot more willing to absorb a cost increase, the customer is, if the value is there and they can see a direct relationship, right? Yeah. So if you say, I'm right, you know, we're, our rates are having to come up, go up to keep place with inflation, but at the same time, we're able to offer you something that makes your life better than it feels like it's not as much of a, you're, you're providing me the same thing and you're just jacking my rates. Right. There's actually a benefit to what you're doing. So looking for those Right. Small wins where you can. I think the other thing that happens when you're looking at customer base is there's always your customers that put a greater value on you on your services or your goods because they're in a unique situation. Those customers are willing to pay more for your relationship and for your services and for your goods. Yeah. You may not everybody's probably in that bucket as far as customers are concerned, but you do have more ability if you can identify who those customers are, you have more ability to increase your rates with those customers than you do for maybe somebody that's not as affordable or the, the relationship's different, where maybe it's more of a transactional type relationship. Those peop- those customers are not going to be, they're going to be very price sensitive, right? right. Because uh, they're looking for more of a transactional type relationship yeah. versus somebody that they value very highly. Yeah. I think some some customers or clients that will see the rate increase and basically be like, okay, conversation over. Right. I know I can get this cheaper somewhere else. I'm just doing this purely by the numbers and go somewhere else. Right. But like you said, building value in terms of other services or opportunities that you can offer would be, I guess, beneficial for a whole subset of clients. Oh, yeah, definitely. And this, but yeah, especially to your point about 
the complexity of whatever their industry is, if they can't find the services or the goods that you offer anywhere else, it's not a matter of <laughs> trying to just gouge them because they can't go anywhere else as much as it just pricing your goods and services appropriately for what they right. need and just trying to be it's supply and demand, right? So if they're in a highly specialized area and you're the only person with that knowledge, you do have more. doesn't mean we're going to gouge the, our right. customers. Nobody wants to gouge no. their customers, but you certainly have more re- leverage in that relationship as far as trying to find an agreement that works for both of you versus somebody that they can walk down the street and there's there's not a lot of a differentiator between what you do yeah. and your competition. Yeah. So is in doing. terms of profit margin, kind of a little bit of power in specialization and if you really are a little more niche mark niche right. focused, I guess. Right. I think, you know, you can to maintain that margin and you can do a across the board rate increase, right? But I across the board increases are not always the right answer. Yeah. Um, is you run the risk of potentially losing market share, right? If some, if your services or goods become unaffordable to certain groups of people. So I think a lot of the times you really need to look at your customer base and figure out where those specialties are or yeah. where you really, uh, where the value's at to the customer and react accordingly. The other piece with margin is it goes back to this fixed cost pool again. Uh, those fixed costs increase and your top line growth is approximately the same, right, as it was last year. You have less top line growth to be able to cover those fixed costs. So not probably the right answer for everybody, but in this, again, I think is unique to everybody's business, but do you grow your business? Do you find those specialties where there is better margin and you grow those areas to yeah. not only maintain your margin, but to also continue to cover some of those fixed costs that we don't feel like we can control? And that's kind of something that people may not consider. It seems almost counterintuitive, like why, when everything's so expensive, would I look to grow my business? I'm just trying to maintain. But if you can, if there are competitors or market segments that fit into whatever you do yeah are there opportunities where you can buy into those or buy pieces of those or whatever to try to do that so right. fixed costs or whatever they are mm-hmm. but then you have other segments you weren't in before that you can have that revenue from. absolutely you need to look at where you want to be in a couple years right because there's also strategies here to take less margin so we talk about maintaining margin but are you willing to take less margin today to grow market share mm-hmm. so then when sure. yeah. we're a year down the road and you've developed more relationships, you have more market share, and then you have more control over pricing. Right. So you right. let it hurt a little bit now, knowing long term it will pay off just Absolutely. because you will have you'll control more of the market. Right. Which is hard. People people as humans don't think that like I just wanna <laughs> I want this to suck less right now. Right. <laughs> Instead of like, well, I can eat this now. Uh-huh. This could be okay. Good things come yeah. to those who wait. Exactly. Recessions don't last forever, inflationary periods yeah. don't last forever. Uh, things do eventually kind of all settle. So what right. does that look like in the future? Very emotional creatures. We get scared in the moment right. and can only really think in the moment, whereas you really need to be thinking a couple years down the line and what those impacts are. And it could be, there could be opportunities because people panic and say, I'm just getting out because I don't want to mm-hmm. do this. Of like, well, then can you leverage that? Can you get into a business segment cheaper than maybe you would when everything was going great? Right. You know, do you have the capital or the cash to be able to do that? Right. I mean, all of this is based on if you have an employees or staff and team members 
this can affect their productivity if you're looking to increase your market shares or get into a different line of business that you weren't in before that may put stress on your employees to increase their productivity which we're in a tight labor market people you know the great the great what is the the great resignation Resignation. (laughs) we're still sort of in that so how do you increase their productivity or focus on productivity levels without scaring off your employees first have to know where we're at right so you can't ask an employee to do more your employees to do more if they're already top performers right so again accountants we love numbers i love benchmarks (laughs) so try to find some benchmarks and see where you're at in comparison to the industry or your competition because then you at least have a starting point to start having a good meaningful conversation with your employees that they can understand because i think a lot of times we lose sight of where we're at in a situation. But regardless of what direction you go or how you approach your employees to try to get more productivity, it all comes down to trying to build loyalty with your employees. You can't be productive when you consistently have turnover, you have poor culture, right? So I think it really comes back to looking at who you are as a business. How do you gauge your culture? Are you on track with who you wanna be? And how do you build loyalty with your employees? You can't ask them to do more they won't do more if they're not loyal to who you are and they don't love your culture. So we talk a lot about client loyalty, customer loyalty, but yeah, employees that see what you're trying to build and want to be a part of that. And do they do that? You can't ask your top performers to continue. It's easy. It seems like thing like, oh, you do so well, let's just ask you to do more. But everybody has a limit that they will top out at. Yep. It's not fair to burn them out just because they're, you know, just to reward them for doing a good job by like, well, you're really good at this. Here's a whole bunch more work. Right. <laughs> that's, that's not a great way to build a good culture work. either. Right. <laughs> but look to them for solutions. And I think this is where you get back to some of the technology solutions, right? Just because where we're asking for more productivity doesn't mean that all of that burden is going to fall on them. Right. Yeah. Are there better uses of their time if we leverage technology or provide them with additional support, whether that's additional people right. to take something off their plate or it's automating a process that used to consume hours of their weeks or days or what, whatever the case might be. Yep. Just finding those things that are redundant, that, that just an administrative task that maybe just takes too much of their time. Right. And then it helps them focus. And I mean, administrative tasks are fine, but mostly people want to do things that make them feel like they are productive, that they are helping their clients or their customers to give them that feeling of like what they do is important. So You know, obviously cutting expenses is an important way of fighting inflation. I guess, what are your thoughts regarding allowing employees to work remotely or maybe have a hybrid schedule, you know, kind of Harkening back to productivity, is there concerns with productivity decrease when you allow employees to do that? Or what's kind of your thoughts on that side of things? Just like you need to know your customers, you need to know your employees. I don't think remote work is right for everyone individually. Some people need the interactions with people that they have every day when they come to the office. Uh, Some people's homes are not set up appropriately to work from home. I think we've experienced, just speaking personally about the firm, we've experienced where people, some people are more productive working from home. Some people are less productive. I think you also have to look at where they're at in their career path and where they want to go. And I'm, again, I'm speaking to the firm specifically here, but I think it's true with any business. I think the younger people that are coming in to an industry, a, a business, really need to spend time with the other people of the organization. It goes back to culture again. Understand who the business is. 
who the people are. Uh, I think training in some situations is really difficult to do remotely. I believe that the best learning is when we're sitting across the table from each other or you're looking over my shoulder as I'm doing something and I'm, you know, it's, it's do one, teach one, right. try one kind of thing, right? And that's hard to do in a remote environment. Yeah. So I think you need to know your employees, not assume that everybody is the same because we're not. And not everybody's situation is the same. But I think most people will at some point know whether or not remote work is right for them or not. Yeah. And it happens naturally, but it requires some patience. It requires trust. And for both parties to take a little bit of a risk yeah. to see if it works. And I think that's what everybody is sort of figuring out now is that, you know, you can see like articles in the news that say remote work is the best. Oh, no, it's the worst. And, and we've almost lost the ability of for nuance is mm -hmm. that it just depends. Yeah. No, not every business is it going to be appropriate for. Not every organization is it going to be appropriate for. In an open mind, right? Yeah, being curious. Is yeah. it trying different things and being okay if it fails to like reevaluate. Like that's how business and life in general, you just, yep. just throw yeah, it out there, true. try it, see if it works, and then reevaluate. And right. if it doesn't, yeah, we'll If you're not out. happy, the employee's probably not happy. Yeah. You know, I think that's what we lose sight of a lot of the times. If we're frustrated, yeah. the person that it's impacting is probably as equally as frustrated as we are. So sit down, have a conversation, reevaluate, adjust, and move forward. Yeah. That's, I, yeah, that's, I mean, that was true of, of anything that was, I think the pandemic brought that to a head, but I think probably that was coming in some form as technology changed mm -hmm. and real estate to live in places and made it, you know, difficult to live in certain areas because you couldn't afford to, like, it just, it was something that it was just an option that people had to look at. And businesses and people both change over time too, right? So, you know, like speaking personally, when I started, we had just had a newborn daughter, you know, so I obviously wanted to be around as much as I could and still getting, you know, my work hours in, but that might be between naps or whatever right. else our baby was doing. So yeah, I work until 10 o'clock some nights, but you know, it's because I had to take a couple of hours in the middle of the day to help out around right. the house. So just because that happened, you know, in like kind of the first year being at the firm, that's probably going to look completely different five years down the line when she's in school full time. Exactly. You know? right. So like you said, it's just kind of being open and figuring out what works best for, for both. Yep. And it's a great way to build loyalty with your yeah. employees, right? Is to let them try. Um, they'll remember, you'll remember five years from now when oh, yeah. things, when you're, when you don't have that personal demand on your life or a different, it'll be different. Yeah. Right. But you'll remember the, the flexibility that you were granted and how it worked. And once that time's gone, you can't get it back. Right. Yeah. So he's, the one thing, yeah. he's staring daggers into my eyes right now, <laughs> demanding loyalty. Just for those of you who cannot see this on video. It's another it's method. Like, really it's just stare people stare down. Stare people down and make and it. Demand it. <laughs> that's, that's make sure, you know, try, you know, like we said, just try different things. See what works. Different techniques. <laughs> different techniques. for everybody. Depends on the person. They may be really responsive to that. You don't know. <laughs> Um, talking about from people to, to supplies, some businesses don't have the luxury of being able to have a bunch of supplies on demand. Their mm -hmm. space may not allow them to do that. Um, it just may not be feasible to them. But a lot of times, you know, when you buy in bulk, you can get cost savings. 
but that doesn't always work. So we talked a bit about like trying to combat rising supplier prices. Is there something that businesses can do around that? Yeah, we did touch on it a little bit, but we did not necessarily talk about specifically the problem with potentially setting on too much cash. Every day that you set on cash, you're losing purchasing power in an inflationary period. Because the money goes down, the value, mm-hmm. and so right. you have technically have less cash than you actually did. A tiny bit of it burns away every day. It burns yes. every day. <laughs> it does. And, and simultaneously, prices are increasing, right? With the definition of inflation. Value of goods is increasing and purchasing power is being reduced. So if you do have the ability to purchase goods in advance or negotiate better contracts with your vendors to purchase maybe in bulk, Mm -hmm. now is the time to do that because it will cost more tomorrow. Mm -hmm. So if you can buy it today, you should buy it today. And investing in the inventory, I think is kind of what we're talking about here. Basically, yeah. But also there's this capital piece too, that if you can purchase capital today and you're locked in, the value of that's only going to increase. So land, buildings, whatever. Who knows what will happen when rates increase and they are increasing. Does that bring the value of those items down? I mean, you know, if we had our crystal ball and we could have solved this coming, and I think we could kind of see this coming, if you were at the forefront of purchasing capital before inflation really took off, you were in a fantastic situation. But it is a time where you really can focus on cash flow. Because I think a lot of the problems that businesses run into is I don't have endless pools of cash sitting in the bank, right? So then I think you start modeling some cash flow projections to figure out how do I improve my cash flow? It, does it make sense to offer early pay discounts so I can turn that cash back around and buy goods? On the other side of your vendor relationships, can you push out payments to vendors in certain situations to then speed up your cash in back out to supplies? If you were fortunate enough coming into this time period and you were capitalized appropriately, probably wasn't a problem. But again, back to that, do you have adequate reserves? Do you need to look at recapitalizing your business in some fashion to then take advantage of maybe buying more in advance than you normally would? We've suddenly put ourselves in this just-in-time yeah. methodology. And just-in-time methodology in an inflationary period is not your best methodology because, for one thing, if it's just-in-time, How do you, back to the margin piece again, how do you monitor that margin on a daily basis? If you can bulk purchase, you know what's in inventory and you know what you paid for that. So it's easier to price your goods. So the more things that you can have sort of in stock and in reserve, at least now, then you have a better, just a concept of just where you're sitting financially. And then you're not having to go out and buy supplies where the price is suddenly super high and maybe you don't have as much cash because inflation. So. Right. The yep. trick is to not spend too much before we go into a recession, right? <laughs> Which kind we don't know when that's going to happen. Finding, finding that balance finding when the, balance. the inflation goes uh, way back downhill. and So we talked about kind of stocking up on supplies if you can um, because prices on those are going up, obviously, at least for the time being. So when you look at raising prices, and we talked a little bit about this in terms of what you offer your clients, is there kind of an area where a customer or a client is going to be less likely to notice a rate increase or perhaps where a rate increase won't kind of punch them in the gut and hurt as much? I think it goes back to the value piece again. I think those services are goods that people really value. They don't notice as much. We all know the stuff that you have to buy just to survive. And when that 
gas, right? Yeah. We all notice yeah. that right. because we have to get somewhere. Everybody's going somewhere. And when you feel forced into that, that's probably the areas that people are going to notice the most. So there's this transparency thing that definitely needs to occur. Even though we don't necessarily have control, they want to know what's coming. Nobody likes a bad surprise. Yeah. So I think if we can be transparent with our customers to let them know what's coming before they see it as they're swiping their credit card, yeah. nobody would like that situation. No. Give them some time to mentally right. prepare for what's happening. Yeah. Right. And explain why. Uh, I think price increases that are paired with other things that are happening, either it could be in your business that you can explain right. verbally to the client or the customer so they understand why the price increase has occurred. And then globally, we all know that a lot of us have not questioned price increases because it's just expected. Yeah. So I think making sure that the timing of those price increases correlate to something that's either happening in your community globally or to your business specifically so you can verbally explain to a customer why the price increase has occurred and hopefully give them enough advance notice that if they want to react a certain way, maybe if I know prices are increasing for a specific good, maybe I'm going to go buy before the price increases. Yeah. Eventually it's inevitable. Yeah. I'm going to pay the it's higher price. But if I have a choice as a customer right. to buy today versus a week from now right. when it costs more, I, I would respect that and appreciate that from yeah yep. prices under. are going up in two weeks or whatever this is some these yeah it yeah. might be a good time to do that yeah i think that people <clears throat> to your point they feel like they have a little control then yeah. like i'm not completely at the mercy of this mm-hmm. new thing that's coming and there's some marketing strategy i mean communication right. to your customers through marketing strategies to try to explain why the value is there i don't think we all really take the time. Sometimes we take things for granted yeah. uh, as we're purchasing things or we're receiving a certain service, but we don't always do a good job when we're providing those goods or services to really explain the value yeah. that goes into the end product. And I think that that's a huge part of it too, is that businesses that do a good job about explaining why they're of value to their customers and their clients to show that value either in the money that they've saved them, that the, what the product does for the quality of life, like those intangibles, people are a little less likely to be upset when those prices go up. I mean, that's kind of the, what marketing is supposed to be. If you're in a, a service industry, you are supposed to show like, hey, this is either the money that I've saved you or this is how we've made your life better. Like that's why you exist in the first place. You should probably be reminding your clients and customers of okay. that. Yeah, I agree. That's, yeah. that's kind of a big if one. If a customer gets blindsided and they say, hey, why did my prices go up? Or why, why is your rate increasing? You say, oh, inflation. Yeah. Like, well, they're tired of hearing that <laughs> because that's just the national conversation on everything. Yeah. But if you can say like, we saved you this amount of money last year or you know, that we were able to get you into this situation that helped with whatever X, Y, or Z, and you can give them the tangibles and also do that in a way that like directly correlates to the quality of their life. That's what people, that was what people appreciate. Like we, you know, you didn't have to deal with this situation. We took care of that for you, um, that sort of thing. But yeah. Like giving yeah. specific examples, I guess, yeah. instead of just, oh, inflation, broad brushing it under, yeah. under that. And yeah, because if we're not transparent about it, then, and this is human nature, if you don't know why something happened, what do you do? Yeah. yeah. You make up your own story as exactly. to why it happened. Yeah. They didn't care. Yep. You know, they gouged me. Yep. They, 
They didn't care. They didn't and want me. They didn't want my business. So this is just a way to get rid of me by raising my rates or right. whatever. Or they're just, you know, they're trying to pad their margins. Right. And they're taking advantage people, of the situation. If yeah. we don't communicate, <laughs> yeah. people will you don't come tell to their the, own conclusions yep. as to why something occurred. Yeah. Yes. Whereas it might be, oh, well, costs went up because we had to post-pandemic implement a bunch of new technology to better serve clients. You know, right. giving a specific example like that both builds on the value and doesn't leave them with this empty mind of just, oh, I'm going to fill in the worst blank possible exactly. when my rates go up because I don't <laughs> right. know the actual answer. Yep. So. Well, I, one of the things I think happens in any situation where there's perceived as a negative situation, like a recession and inflation, generally people don't think like, hey, that's Not a good great. thing. Not great. Not great. But there usually are, there are opportunities that arise out of that. So like in 2008, I think of like ride sharing or Airbnb or those kinds of things that came out of that where people wanted to travel, wanted to do those things, but they didn't have the money. And so someone saw an opportunity of like, yeah, we can provide lower costs for these services. So for businesses, like how do they, how do you look at that when you, when you look at all this inflation and recessions and how do you even see like what possibilities are out there for your business? Yeah, I think uh, we were very creative during the pandemic, right? I think every business during the pandemic transformed in some fashion. We used our creative minds to try to continue to function and deliver the same quality and meet expectations of our customers. And I think the same is true in an inflationary period. The markets start adjusting. People get creative with what they're doing. You know, I can't really speak to anything specific, but I would say don't lose that creativity that we gained and how we functioned through the pandemic. Carry that forward into this period and maintain that creativity to find new ways for opportunities. We touched on this earlier about, you know, do you take less margin today to gain market share? Is there, with the technology and working remotely, is there this group of people that prefer to function that way now? Have we adjusted our lives and is there a way to capitalize um, and tailor your business to that group of people? Right. So that's probably not a great answer, no, but, I, I think it gets to but the, it's about creativity, yeah. I think. It's being open. It's being curious and not just setting down the mindset of like, this is just something I have to endure and it's bad. Right. It's being open to the possibility of, yeah, this isn't ideal and no, it's not super fun. <laughs> but if I ask questions and I look at this in a different way, I think I saw a quote that said every like good thing that we have now in humanity was because there was a problem that existed at some point. Right. So humans are unendingly creative creative. Um, we survive, we find ways, we find new things. And it's just a, like, not just being locked into the like inflation recession bad, but there are opportunities for who knows. I just have to think about this a little bit differently or ask questions that maybe I wouldn't. It's a great time for strategic planning. Yeah, that is true. Right. Mm -hmm. Great time to really reassess where you're at as a business and what it looks like in five years. Because that's typically where those ideas come from is a, is a solid strategic plan and then a process in place to execute and drive the strategic plan. Yep. Any other thoughts, Mark, just in general, how, how to best uh, get through this if you own a business right now? Talk to your advisors, right? You have, everyone has financial advisors in their life. If they don't, Get one. Probably get one, especially <laughs> now. Uh, quickly. <laughs> but stay in touch with your um, advisors, the people that you really trust. 
because they have some sense. They see we as a, a firm have the benefit of seeing what's happening across multiple markets, right? Multiple industries. So we see that maybe a little bit quicker than the normal person would because we see trends. I think as a business owner, a lot of the times the most difficult thing is trying to gauge whether or not what's happening in your business is an anomaly or if this is the trend. And your financial advisors know that. They see multiple businesses and they see the trends that are occurring across all of those and you'd hope that they, they have similar businesses in there that they clients that are similar right. to you yeah. to be able to say like, yes, this is what I'm seeing or no, you are, you're not a liar. Right. You're probably not the only person in that industry that they've been talking to mm-hmm. for years. So, right. right. Well, thanks, Mark. Thanks for joining. This has been a really interesting topic. I think it's a unique way of uh, looking at it where people see inflation as something they don't have any control over. But I think we hit a lot of good topics. For more information, you can check out our website at KeseyPeterson.com. Um, we'll have the show notes and some links to other resources. And if always, uh, just reach out to us if you have any questions. And now the legal stuff. This podcast and associated communications are intended to provide general information about tax, finance, investment, and other financial matters. Although Casey Peterson LTD has made every reasonable effort to ensure that the information provided is accurate, we make no warranties, expressed, or implied. Be aware that this is not a comprehensive analysis of the subject matter covered. It is not intended to provide specific recommendations to you or your business. Investment advisory services are offered through Advantix Planning Partners. Commission-based securities products are offered through Advantix Investment Services, member F-I-N-R-A-S-I-P-C. Insurance services are offered through licensed agents of Avantex Planning Partners, 3200 Olympus Boulevard, Suite 100, Dallas, Texas, 75019. The Avantex entities are independent of and unrelated to CPS Financial Services, LLP. Although Avantex does not provide or supervise tax or accounting services, our financial professionals may offer these services through their independent outside business. Not all financial professionals are licensed to offer all products or services. Financial planning and investment advisory services require separate licenses. Hey, Evan. Yeah? Do you know why my inflatable dot burst after my friends kept telling me to fill it with more air? Because it was just too much air. No, too much peer pressure. Ah, because it's a dock. It's a dock and there's peers. Too many peers. It's a homophone. All right, <laughs>